Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here. John is currently, uh, I'm assuming, cuddled in the fetal position with a fever. Fortunately, not feeling, feeling a little under the weather. Uh, we hope he certainly feels better, uh, certainly to watch the, yeah. the Spirit game at 7 p.m. today. Uh, but joining us is Brendan Heinzeich, defender, scorer of Galazos. He's joining the show for this. Uh, Brendan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's let's jump right into it, man. I, I know you talked a lot of you talked about the goal in your post game show. So yeah. so I won't have you sort of uh, re rehash that um, because you're a player. You you saw the ball, you took the shot, and and it was it was amazing. I I know I know the I know the drill. But I want to talk because uh, DC had goals last year from defense from defenders and from yeah. and I think that became sort of a point of contention. Uh, but this goal certainly felt a little different. It felt like this. Although you are a defender, your goal is to stop the ball from going in the net. Um, this came from sort of an attacking style system. Is, is this something sort of that Lasada has been preaching at, at sort of having defenders and sort of everybody press high in the attack? Has that been sort of a major part of, of preseason and trying to work in his system? Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's just kind of the way that uh, Hernan wants to to play. He's made it clear from the get-go that all let's say 11 players uh, need to be involved. Uh, and that's even with the goalkeeper. Yeah, the goalkeeper's not kind of press all the way up the field, but <laughs> he needs to be alert and, and active uh, for what's happening. And uh, that, that's definitely for the defenders, the three center defenders. And that's a little bit of a, uh, a newer way of playing that the defenders are so higher up, you know, in the field. Um, and that's, that's kind of a twofold. It, it helps with, with keeping possession a little bit more because you have more people available to, to get the ball moving around in the offensive half but then at the same time preventing counterattacks from the other team by having the defense be higher up and try to you know snuff out those opportunities as early as possible so that's definitely something you'll see you know from from Hernan's uh, side this year uh and how he wants to play I definitely saw it a bunch when I was in in Belgium that his teams like to play very high and, and don't let teams uh, find a way to to counterattack by any means what I'm glad you brought that up. I was gonna jump into to, to to another question. Actually, I think I'll go into that one. Um, as far as playing sort of that higher line, what goes into you? I, I feel like as a defender, that is like the biggest risk for you is preventing counterattacks, preventing because when when you're pressed high and then all it takes is one ball over the top and suddenly you're on you're on a foot race back. Yeah. How do you know? How does the communication go between you know you and your other central defenders? Is there you know, I, I wasn't able to be at the game, so I couldn't see the whole field. Uh, but, you know, as far as who stays back, who goes forward, is it alternating? Or or, or are you like, the, are you designated and, and maybe uh, brilliant? Uh, we know he's a little little on the older side. So maybe he says, oh, I think I'll hang back a little bit and, and stop the counterattack. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's always depending on the situation, you know. And so obviously if a team plays with two forwards, we need to keep three defenders back. You always want to have numbers up. In, in this circumstance, we had only one forward that was was there in Castellanos and, and the two other central defenders had it covered. So naturally, the third central defender was me and I can't just sit back and, and do nothing. So, you know, my job is to get up and either try to help with, with possession or to find the man that's free in case we lose the ball and and, and, and to, again, snuff out that, that counterattack as quickly as possible. And to be fair, even, even you know, New York did a good job uh, against us in, in some circumstances. We weren't as sharp as we were in the preseason with that aspect of it. Um, there was preseason games where we were much better at that. And that's just something that's going to come the more we, you know, practice that system. So 
Um, but definitely it's, it's, it's a new style for, for some guys. It's a new style for me. Uh, I'm used to, if, a, if there's a counterattack, the moment the other team has the ball, the defense drops off um, because you want to have numbers behind the ball. Uh, in Hernan's case, if you have the possibility to, to act instead of react in the situation and, and see what's about to happen, then maybe you can prevent it from, from starting in the first place. So different you know, mindset, uh, definitely, but both are, are effective. And I, I honestly prefer this style of play uh, in any way. So. The, the the fans I think the fans certainly do after after last night we got our, our first taste and I think we're 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 begging we're begging for more next Saturday, um, talking a little bit I guess about you you spent you uh, your last club is in Belgium uh, you're on loan here in DC had you you know when you you know when you found out DC was interested you know I'm I'm sure I think at the time I, I tried to look at the timing because all all this is is trying to be a blur but i imagine i think when when you were linked to uh to dc i think or not had already been announced did that sort of impact your decision to like you know like you know maybe you played against them and you're like yeah i want to go play for a coach like that did that help you know maybe influence your decision to to come to dc definitely hernan was the first one who called me um after he had after he had arrived in dc and he was in his he was in his quarantine and and i know that he at the moment was looking for for central defenders um, so he had a big role in me, in me coming to DC for sure. Um, not only that I, I knew him and I knew, you know, his style, but also that he would understand my situation as well. Um, and not to say that it would have been, you know, different if I would have to come back to play for an American coach or whatnot, but, you know, I've been in Europe for so long now that I'm used to a certain style. And, um, that was always a, a, a thought in my head. If I ever came back to MLS, you know, who would I come back and play for? Because, I felt it was going to be difficult for me to integrate, you know, back into the American system um, so easily because I had been in Europe for such a long time. So knowing that he was already in the league and he knew, you know, how I played and, and how everything was was working with me in my career, it, it made it a lot easier. And then to top that off, I, I loved the way that they played when they were in Belgium. I always admired that that style and I thought it would be a really fun team to play in because they got after it from, from the beginning. Um, and you know, not only from a fan standpoint, from, but from a player, it's a fun system to play in. So everyone's involved and, and trying to, you know, constantly, uh, yeah, be all over the opponent all the time. So it's, like I said, it's a, it, he had a big factor for sure. Um, and, but not to, not to put anything against DC. DC is a great club. I, I've watched DC since I was really young and I know all the history of DC United uh, for, for a long time. So I know a lot of the you know, the old players, I used to watch them all the time. And, um, you know, so I was definitely, definitely intrigued um, by, by the opportunity. And then, of course, having a new stadium always attracts a player right away. Um, nothing against RFK, but having a new stadium is, is a great thing <laughs> in this day and age. And it really brings players in because they want to be a part of that kind of new era and new kind of way of doing things. So um, it was a win-win all around for me to, to be here. Well, we're certainly we're certainly glad to have you here uh, in in DC. Uh, getting to that sort of so you have that conversation with Hernan. You you, you get on your first day of training. I, I think for a lot of fans, the 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 sort of surprise. I think the first realization. Um, I know you didn't play under Ben Olsen last year or, or were a part of any of those teams, but uh, the 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 realization I think over the past couple of weeks has been that that Hernan's Hernan's a very very different coach uh, from Ben, and I think a lot of people were sort of taken aback by his uh, by his fitness comments, his comments about the fitness of the team. Yeah. Um, 
what, you know, it, it seems so, a lot of people kind of said, oh, man, that's something like that's a really aggressive way to go about it. I mean, I know you've played around the world. Are, are fans maybe making too big of a deal? Out? Is that a, like a sometimes, you know, that's how certain coaches do it. You know, is it how do you sort of handle that? You know, maybe for some players who are out of shape and, you know, saying, well, forget this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm fine. You know, how, how do you. How does that feel sort of on that first day when, when he kind of brings that out or, or we're, we're maybe we make it a little too, too much of it. No, I mean, welcome to, to the new age of football. Uh, that's how it is. You know, I mean, um, and I didn't know Ben at all as a coach. I watched him a bunch of, as a player and what mm-hmm. a great player he was for sure. Um, with, with Renan, he is a new age coach. So he works with the sports science. He works with the newest, you know, technology and he works with the newest training habits that, that there is. And one of the things we looked at in preseason is we looked at teams that have had a smaller budget and aren't the big spenders of leagues and how they were able to turn their team into uh, a winning team most of the time, if not all the time. And it was the little details of being very conscious of what you're eating, how much you're drinking, how much you're sleeping, you know, taking frequent hydration tests, um, blood tests, uh, fat tests. Those types of things, because it, oh, if you look at the calculations and getting back to your question, this is a this is definitely a thing that happens a lot in Europe. Um, they look at often in the season how frequently a player has you know a chance to be injured, and obviously the more time players are out, that's more money lost for the club, that's more points lost for the club. So first and foremost, the the, the key ingredient is that players are all available for the selection every single week, um, and it's no surprise right now we have quite a lot of injuries so we need to get everybody on the same page with that but i think once that's kind of uh, in place and everybody is is bought into that which i do believe that the team has bought into it as difficult as it has been from the start for a lot of guys um it will make a big big difference in the long run uh who doesn't want to be you know and i speak for myself but i speak also for a lot of the players who doesn't want to consistently get better be a better athlete be a better player so um it's a lot for a coach to say. Uh, and I think, you know, that's something that's great about Hernan is he's very open about things. There's no, you know, uh, there's no gray or anything. It's, 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 it's very black and white. It's straight to the point. And uh, that's a nice thing for me. I always never liked working under people who kind of kept things kind of in the shadows or whatever it was. Here's the open truth. And as for players, it's a wake up call for, you know, when we have our weights and our fats in front of everybody and it's, it's on show for everyone to see. But then, you know, it also gives you a goal and a target to say, OK, I got to get I got to get there because I see these guys are performing, you know, longer and better in the game. And I got to get to that standpoint. And then, you know, it's just a consistent kind of uh, bracket that people kind of want to keep working up. And it creates also healthy, you know, healthy uh, habits and, and competition inside the team. So, um, you know, it's for me, it's been a, it's been a great thing. And I think for a lot of the players. At the beginning, it was difficult, but they've transitioned over, and now it's more of a, okay, we we are we're bought into this, and let's do what we can uh, to become become better. I want to talk a little bit, sort of, about your early career um, because you you played at Chivas USA Academy, and when, when I saw that, I kind of had a little like, oh wow, that's <laughs> been a been a been a fair bit since I heard that name. Way um, back. Before. You played 
Yeah, way back. <laughs> uh, you also played, uh, you went to Creighton uh, and then to South Florida. And, and then you jumped uh, pretty much, I think you had a little stint uh, with the Ocean City Nor'easters, I think, in the in, in the USL. Uh, yeah. But then you pretty much jumped directly to Europe. And I, I, I know at the time it was happening, but it was still, it was still kind of rare and almost kind of has set where you're seeing a lot more Americans do that, you know, they're, they're making that jump. What sort of played that, you know, what sort of played that role into you saying, you know, I'm going to make this jump. I know MLS is there and and I'm sure, you know, I'll go pretty high in the draft, but I want to make a jump up to, 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 to the next level. Was it, you know, the offer was just too good. What, what, what sort of played into that role to, to take that risk? Yeah, it was just, you know, so good. I couldn't turn it down. No, um, it was a couple of things. I mean, first and foremost, it was that I had always wanted to test my, you know, test my abilities in Europe. And I'd had the chance to do that the summer before I had signed. And that was part of the reason I wanted to make the transfer as well from, from colleges was because the college I went to in South Florida allowed me to do that in the summer to be able to go to Europe and, and, and try to see what was possible for me. Um, But I think I really wanted to just, do a different path than everybody else. Um, I wanted to see what it would be like to, to, to go over there and, and, and see, you know, like I said, how I tested and how I was versus these other players who have a lot more professional experience than I do, because a lot of them are professionals since they're 16 years old. I was already 19, 18, and I played already in college for a few years, but I didn't have any professional experience. And I think the other thing that was a big factor for me was the playing time, because I'd seen a lot of my friends, go into the MLS draft and go number one, number five, number 10. And it was really difficult for them to get into the first team, play consistent minutes. It was a lot of times, you know, immediate, you know, loans to USL teams and then trying to work their way in and, and, you know, nothing against that. I think it's a system that, you know, works for some people, but for me, I wanted to play directly. And that was one of the things that I recognized with going to Sweden. I directly had a good communication with the coach. He had made it clear to me that you're going to play, you're going to play and we need you from the get go. And, um, I needed to transition into to learning what it was like to be a professional. That took some time, but once I was once I was there and I was there for yeah, three years, I was really happy that I went there first because I already had on that, at that moment seventy five games under my belt by twenty two years old instead of having you know three or four uh, in the MLS, and that makes a big difference for experience because playing is everything for for players. So um, yeah, it was uh, looking back, it was you know a lot going through my mind at the time, but now it was, a, was a good decision for sure. Yeah. And, and I see here, you, you did go, you went third round, uh, in the 2016 super draft in Montreal. So I, I, I think you made the correct call there well, to, I was, to make that job. To, to be fair, I was already, <laughs> I was already signed in Sweden for three, four weeks before. The oh, that's fair. Started. That's so, fair. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like I was, you know, the third round pick or anything like that. No. So, so yeah. Montreal, Montreal took a, took a flyer, I think on that, that, that would impact like that. that. I, yeah. I missed that part. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about, we got the game coming up against new England, uh, first game on the road. Uh, what, how's the, how's the team been handling it? it, it was there a, you get that first win. I, it felt like that was important. I mean, it, it, maybe it happened a bit earlier. I think fans were, you know, maybe a little tempered by expectations from what we heard. Uh, but then to get the win, is it, was it kind of on Monday? It, you know, was there a moment like, all right, now we got to settle down. What was the mood like kind of heading in or was everybody still buzzing a little bit? Everybody's more happy in the week when you win, for sure. Uh, and that's how it always is, I think, for DC fans as well. You, know, you start the week off in a, in a, in a good spirit when, when the team has won on the weekend. Um, but exactly as you said before that, it's directly, okay, it's, 
behind us was last week. We now have another, you know, opponent this week. And that goes on game after game after game. Whether you win, lose, tie, you have to put it put it behind you. So we've directly put it, you know, put it behind us. We looked at the tape we needed to look at. Uh, on the first day we were back in training and then that was it. We've put it away and, and now it's all all the focus on on New England, who's you know, everybody knows very difficult opponent, especially in New England. No surprise, it will be a extremely tough game for us. So that's that's where the focus is, has been and has to be for for the remainder of this week. We got a question here coming in uh, from uh, from someone on who, who's a fan of the show uh, who asked from uh, it's from Talon. I, I know a lot's been made about you know the, the style of play and how uh, Hernan you know wants you guys to play. I think that's been kind of his big thing. Ha- but has there been any talk about you know where expectations lie as far as you know finishing in the season? You know where where do you expect this team you know to to finish? in 2021? I don't like those questions. It's impossible to say because it's such <laughs> a long season, you know, and you have so many factors with with injuries, with trades, with all this kind of stuff. So I think the most important thing for a group like us, who's very young, I can say, we have a very young group, is to take each week game by game. And so, you know, instead of saying our whole goal for the whole year is to make playoffs or to win or to win, you know, the, the Eastern Conference, no. That's that's such a difficult thing to, to to put out there, and it puts also a lot of extra pressure on on younger players. That's not necessary. So I've been part of teams who have done that, and it's gone terribly wrong because then you start to overthink everything if you do lose a game or whatever. And we will lose games. That's that's that's. It's going to be very difficult to go every game with a win. That's part of this profession. But for sure, the most important thing is is like I said, each week you focus on that game. The next week. It's the next game. You put that stuff behind you. Win, loss, tie. And having that kind of like goldfish mentality. I don't know if everybody's ever watched Ted Lasso, but he talks about it in there. And I think it's so (laughs) awesome. It's so awesome because it's so true. You know, you have to put those things behind you and move on to the next. Because, I mean, we can't affect now what's going to happen, you know, in San Jose, in Columbus. It can only be in New England. So if we start to put those together, you know, week by week, and, you know, obviously having the fans behind us each week by week, focusing only on each each game, we'll all get to where we need to be at at the end of the season. Hopefully it's with a lot of wins and we're playing for something. That's that's what we're that's what we're here to do. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, I haven't had a chance to check out Ted Lasso yet. Uh, I want to. Good show. I'm waiting. Man. I'm waiting. Real fun. I got a lot. I got a lot of different streaming services. I need. I need I'm waiting for like the seven day trial so I can like get through it. There you um, go. I'll probably wait. For, <laughs> there you go. Wait to wait, wait for the updated. Uh, wait for the updated season to come out. Uh, Brendan, thank you so so much for joining us. I got one last thing for you. Yep. I, I have I have watched. I, I'm sorry. I had to watch your goal that you suffered over and over again. Castellanos fouls you, doesn't he? He fouls you. I no one was bringing it up. I I think he fouls you. I have watched it over and over again. I think he takes you out and you un- inadvertently play the ball in the goal. Can you confirm or deny this for me? There this was, is my Sapruder film. There was words said about this after the goal, so I will just say that to the rest. <laughs> yes. All right, you'll, you'll you'll be diplomatic. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We all. You know, we, we, we I won't. I don't want you getting in trouble with MLS, but, but it's fine. <laughs> all right. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks, uh, it's man. wonderful to have you, and uh, best of luck uh, on Saturday. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take yeah, care. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Hey folks, I want to take a quick moment to plug our Patreon page, patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Uh, if you're listening to this, that means that you are not a Patreon subscriber or you didn't choose to listen on your own private RSS feed where you got to hear the interview you just heard of with Brendan Heinzike before everyone else. If you want to make sure that you that never happens again and you get all the DC United content, Washington Spirit content, Loud United content, all the content that you want, check out rfkrefugees.com slash subscribe or go to patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Now back to the show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees podcast. Welcome back in. You just heard an awesome interview with Brendan Hans Heinz Ike. We want to thank him for joining the show. Uh, but joining now to give us a look ahead at the game on Saturday is Jeff Lemieux. He is a senior staff uh, writer and editor at RevolutionSoccer.net. Jeff, thanks for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, let's let's talk about the Revs. You guys have a, a coach. Uh, hold on, let me check my notes here. Uh, Bruce Arena. Arena. It's actually yeah, it's French. <laughs> ah, got you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely, definitely not. Uh, I, I mean, here, see here, he coached at Charlottesville. I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, as, yeah. as a UVA fan, no, nothing, nothing call. But you got to coach uh, Bruce Arena. It's his third year, I think, in charge. If I if I, if I recall correctly, I think he came in. Uh, sort of half the season after Brad Friedel was let go. Uh, so uh, I, I got to say, probably it seems to me like the Bruce Rea team is always going an upward trend. And there, so there's that expectation when he's your coach. Is that sort of the expectation right now with the team that this team is going to be top of the Eastern Conference, you know, competing for a, an MLS Cup? Yeah, and I'll say I feel like those expectations come from outside the club. You know, if you if you ask internally, certainly – the club feels like the expectations should be high, but you would never catch Bruce or any of the players saying, we expect that we should be in championship contention this year. That is the sense I think from a lot of the organization and from you know, the pundits kind of looking at predictions for 2021. If you ask Bruce about it, he'll say, look, we just want to get better every day. You know, if you get better every day and improve day over day, by the end of the season, you're going to be in championship contention, but we never talk about championships and expectations and aspirations early this early in the season. Um, but I certainly think when you look at the fact that Bruce Arena joined, as you mentioned, midway through that 2019 season, when the Revs were literally bottom of the Eastern conference, turned around so quickly that they ended up in the playoffs in 2019, got knocked out in the first round by Atlanta, then went on that run last year once they finally got healthy late in the season, made the run to the Eastern Conference Final. They feel like they have a better roster now than that team that went to the Eastern Conference Final. So logically, the assumption is that this is a team, when fully healthy, is going to be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, should be in the mix for trophies, should be in the mix for Supporter Shield, should be in the mix for MLS Cup. Uh, so that is that is certainly what uh, we're kind of hopeful for in New England. Yeah. Got to start with, uh, I'm going to start in the back with this team. Uh, and I'm going to start with a guy, um, I, I am from Richmond. I'm not sure if you know that. So I, I make it out to kickers games. Uh, so there was a keeper by the name of Matt Turner that you guys stole away from us. I, I guess playing in MLS is bigger than USL League One. Uh, that's debatable on that. Uh, he has really – it's been impressive how much he sort of turned himself into a just a, a week-in, week week-out starter, uh, top goalkeeper in the league. Everybody's in love with him. Uh, how has he looked so far in preseason and, and heading into this and heading into this season and, and even in the first game? Yeah, he looks like Matt Turner. I mean, there's absolutely nothing that he can do about the first two goals, the two goals that Chicago score in the, the first 11 minutes of that game last weekend. Uh, got hung out to dry a little bit there, but 
he had a performance in preseason against LAFC where yeah, he made four or five saves where they're just kind of those saves where you roll your eyes a little bit. Like, I can't believe that he's making these types of saves. And we've become so used to seeing exactly those types of saves from Matt Turner. I mean, he's one of the best pure shot stoppers that I have ever seen. I mean, it's, it feels like at least once every other week or so, he just pulls a save out of, you know, his, his magic hat that is turning a game on its head. And, you know, that's, that's an incredible tool to have when you have a goalkeeper who can make a save or two a game that can basically turn the game on its head. Um, and that is exactly what we've seen from, from Matt Turner the past couple of years and certainly through this preseason. And I will note, he was, he was ours before he went to Richmond. He was on loan in Richmond from New That's England. true. So he That's was just, true. He, we were just taking him back. <laughs> he did. He did well. He did well here in Richmond. Um, we, we certainly do. Uh, we certainly do miss him. Uh, let, let's go. Obviously, I think the defense has always been pretty good. Uh, one player that caught my eye who who started out there uh, was, was a player who was on uh, DC United's roster for like five seconds before he was taken in the expansion. I'm pretty sure he, he was selected in the Chivas USA dispersal draft by DC. They left him unprotected, and then he was swooped up by NYC FC. And that's Tom, Tommy McNamara. Uh, he's become kind of like the the Cole. I'm not sure, like, I'm trying to think, is there a a player like in that you can sort of equate in American sports uh, where he kind of, he's like a, a role player on most teams, but he like some gen- generates a following. Um, how did he? How has he looked in that first game? What did uh, What did Bruce Serena see in him? Yeah, Bruce talked about Tommy Tommy's performance in the second half of that Chicago game. Obviously, I think uh, everybody uh, on that Revs roster, certainly through the first fifteen minutes or so, isn't going to be thrilled with the performance. But every kind of kind of settled down from there. Uh, and Bruce Serena actually pointed out Tommy McNamara's performance through the second half of that Chicago game, settled in really well and helped kind of keep things moving through central midfield. And I think Tommy McNamara is just one of those guys that, you know, Bruce Arena can, can use these types of players who are MLS veterans, who are really dependable, who you know what you're going to get from them game in and game out. And yeah, Tommy McNamara is probably not going to give you the flashiest 90 minutes performances week after week. But he's a guy who you can plug into your lineup in a few different spots. And regardless of where you play him or how much notice he gets to start or anything like that, he's going to go out, give you an honest effort. He's going to be a consistent performer and you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, Bruce Arena has kind of made his, his career out of having those types of guys on his roster and utilizing them the best way possible. Yeah, Richie Williams, uh, some other guys I remember on DC that 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 checks out that checks out pretty well. Um, let's. Uh, I want to talk about that game um, because I will. I will say things. Uh, things started very very rough for New England, and I almost got. I don't know if you had if you've had an opportunity to watch our, our game against uh, against New York City FC. This is not. This is no longer Ben Olsen's uh, DC United. This team is going to look to play very direct. And I have to admit, I saw I saw Chicago's goals come from very direct play. And that kind of got my hopes up a little bit because uh, I'm not 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 so positive about this game coming up. Uh, what sort of happened in that first uh, 12 minutes where it really looked like Chicago was kind of having their way with New England? Yeah, I think the Reds just kind of caught off guard a little bit to start the season, which they kind of couldn't really comprehend after the game. And we tried to ask after the game, what did it, what is it that happened through those first 15 minutes? And they said, look, we knew Chicago was going to come out hard it's their it's the season opener it's their home opener their first game in front of fans in you know more than a year they knew first game of the season it's always kind of hectic 
And they said for, for whatever reason, they just, they didn't react to it well. And it was, it was, it, it ended up looking really pretty. The two Chicago goals in terms of the buildup looked like this gorgeous buildup play, but unfortunately the Reds certainly felt like they just made it a little too easy. Uh, not enough pressure on the ball in midfield, a little bit of ball watching on the back line balls played through the back line where you're just kind of late reacting to the run in behind. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just as if for some reason the Reds just weren't, they weren't up for it in the first 10 minutes of that game, which uh, there's no real explanation for, right? You, you build up so long to a season and there's so much excitement and anticipation. You kind of expect from that opening whistle of the season opening, you're going to be good to go, but it just took a little while for them to really kind of get their heads into the game and credit Chicago. They took advantage of that uh, and scored their two goals. And the Reds then felt like from minute 11 on, once they kind of got out of that shell shocked period uh, that they, they felt really good about the performance from, from minute 11 on. Uh, unfortunately, you can't erase the first 11 minutes from the game. They still, they still counted those at the end of the 90 minutes uh, for some reason. <laughs> All right, let's uh, see. So you guys obviously have Gustavo Bo. Uh, Bo. He's a, uh, a, cons- a player who's, who showed his quality out there on the field. Uh, and then you guys have um, Adam Busca, who, you got, who was paid about, I think, a $4.5 million transfer fee. He, uh, I don't think he actually tore up the league. Maybe as was expecting, he did have a goal in this game, a really powerful header off the, off a corner kick. Uh, he he's a a really tall guy and a big guy, and I think that's how he's going to get a lot of his goals. What did you see see from him out of those first games, and 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 even in the preseason? Is he? Are we looking at maybe a a dark horse golden boot candidate out of him at this point? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go so far yet as dark horse golden boot candidate, but I do think you're going to see a lot more goals this season out of Adam Buxa than we saw in 2020. You know, when we look at kind of what Adam Buxa went through in that 2020 season, he was a, a, not a young player, but a younger player, 24 years old, who had spent basically his entire career in Poland to that point, played a little bit in Italy, but mostly had spent his career in his, in his home country. He was coming to a new country, a new league, a new club really on this new adventure for the first time. And then a month into that experience, the world goes up in flames and we're in the middle of a pandemic. And he's trying to make all of these adjustments to this new club and this new league with the most unpredictable, unforeseen circumstances. And we saw flashes in 2020 of that player. He can be of that number nine who leads the line, who can finish with both feet and his head, but we didn't see it consistently enough. And the expectation is now that he's settled a little bit. We're beyond that insane 2020 season. And he kind of has a little bit of a better idea of what the Rebs are looking for from him, what this league is like, what to expect from opponents in the league, uh, that he's going to be a much improved player in 2021. We saw that in preseason. Uh, Only made four appearances in preseason, all relatively short appearances. Ended up with three goals and drew a penalty. He adds the goal in the opener against Chicago. Uh, And I think there are a lot of players on this Revs roster who are going to benefit from Carlos Hill being healthy. Carlos Hill was not healthy for the majority of the 2020 season. Him coming back into the lineup helps a lot of guys in the attacking third. I think Adam Buxa might be at the top of that list of guys who benefit from that service from Carlos Hill. 
Let's talk about um, Dewan Jones. I think I got the first name right. MLS Dewan. Soccer doesn't. Dewan Jones. I apologize. Uh, Dewan Jones picks up a red card. Uh, the the MLS Soccer Soccer dot com guys on their instant replay segment did not think he deserved a red card. Uh, I I say the referee is correct because it brings you guys down a man, and that's uh, <laughs> a starting player, which I which I am all for. Uh, but who who kind of slots in? I don't know if you guys. I mean, it was late in the game, so it didn't really impact. Uh, the game against Chicago, but how does that? How do you think that impacts the game coming up uh, against DC? Who, who slots in there? Yeah, it's funny. I'll say first that uh, one of the guys on Instant Replay, Charlie Davies, is our color commentator. So he was literally calling <laughs> that game for us. So maybe that shades how he feels about it. But I obviously very much agree with uh, with both Charlie and Andrew Weeby that uh, it was a very harsh red because of the position of Andrew Farrell in that moment. Andrew Farrell is essentially. Uh, between Premonstrov Frankowski and the goal, there's no way that it is a clear goal scoring opportunity. So uh, I digress. I believe that it was uh, a, a bad red card. And in that sense, we do not have official word. Uh, Bruce Arena is speaking with the media tomorrow and hopefully he'll be able to provide an update. I don't know whether the Rebs appealed that red card. I'm assuming there's still a chance the Rebs appealed the red. And if they did, then per- perhaps Dewan Jones is available for Sunday or for Saturday. And if he is, you know, maybe he's just back in that starting left back spot. Uh, the Reds do have a few options there. Uh, they did bring in a left back in the offseason, uh, a Colombian left back, Christian Mafla, who was the anticipated starter, but missed the majority of preseason with injury, only ended up playing about 70 minutes or so in the preseason, actually spent this past weekend with Reds 2, played 78 minutes uh, in League 1 with the reserve side just to get his match fitness up. Uh, so there's a potential that that match last week got him to a place where he's able to start. Uh, and then there are a few other options. AJ De La Garza is a player who can play across the back line. So you could slot AJ De La Garza in at left back, or you could move Brandon by from right back to left back where he has played quite a bit with the revs and then slot AJ De La Garza in at right back. So there are a few different options. Um, but I, I do think that one of those options might still potentially be Dewan Jones uh, if the Rebs appealed that red and it gets overturned, which I feel like you know, there's, there's at least a possibility happens. Got to be, got to be careful. I, I think teams are limited in, in how many times they can do that. If, if I'm understanding, they can't just like do it whenever they want. So I, I, it may be a case of, do you think you can do it, but you know, then you, you, you don't have the opportunity to do it later. And, you know, if, even if it gets overturned, do you have a guy who can maybe cover there and it's early in the season and, and, and Bruce, if nothing has mastered the ability of realizing that what matters is the final few games and then the playoffs. Um, So, (laughs) so I, I, I think even if he thinks it could be overturned, I, I, I would, I would, Keep that one in your pocket in, in case you need it. Um, and you're going up. I mean, I, 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 I'm bullish about DC, but you're going up against a team with a new coach uh, and and a lot of other things. I, I would say you guys could could sh- could and should beat us uh, even without Jones out there. So um, uh, <clears throat> we all know like the the big players on your team. What's a player maybe that you have watched in preseason? You even watched maybe in the Chicago game that you feel maybe isn't getting the attention that, that maybe fans uh, should, should, should watch out for? Well, there's one name that consistently came up throughout preseason, and it was Maciel. So this is a central midfielder, uh, young player out of Brazil who spent last year with Revs 2, with the Revs USL League 1 team, uh, garnered a little bit of buzz with Revs 2, was a player who 
people kind of consistently said, we think this, this guy can make the jump up to the MLS level. Uh, he ended up joining the club for preseason this year within a few weeks had earned a first team contract. Uh, and just based on a few injuries throughout preseason, Wilfred Captoom, who was one of the big off season signings who was slated to be you know, a starting central midfielder dealt with injury throughout preseason. Luis Caicedo, who's coming off of major knee surgery, struggled a little bit with uh, an injury as he was trying to get time. So minutes kind of opened up in central midfield and Maciel took advantage, uh, looked really, really smooth in all of his preseason appearances, very comfortable on the ball, kind of plays at his own pace. And then I do believe was slated to start that Chicago game, picked up an injury late in the week. And that's when Tommy McNamara actually slotted into the starting lineup to replace Maciel. Uh, but Maciel back in training, supposed to be available this week. So there's a chance he's in the lineup on Saturday against DC. And he's a name who I don't think anyone around major league soccer is going to know yet, but he's a guy whose name is starting to kind of bounce around, um, you know, new England as a guy who, who could have a pretty serious role to play on this revs team this year. I, I want to ask a little bit, you know, I feel like DC's doing like a tour of teams that, uh, that, you could see as soon as they get a stadium, things are going to pop off. Uh, and, and the, the, the running, the running, you know, joke around the league is, is the fact that the revs are, you know, are not playing in an ideal situation. You would love for them to have a downtown stadium in, in Boston. Uh, when we talk to our New York city guy, he's like, Oh, I think thing, you know, something's going to be coming soon. Is there any, any sort of, and I know you, you write for the team. So maybe, you know, I understand maybe, Maybe if you don't, you know, maybe have the insight. Are there any ideas about what, you know, if the team is 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 looking at sites? Is there been any sort of discussion? I know there was the big Olympic thing, um, or are they comfortable, kind of, you know, just uh, seeing if they can drive up interest and in, in in where they're playing right now? Are they seeing what other teams are doing in in NFL stadiums? No, I mean, I will say, uh, I am a club employee, but I'm definitely not in the. You know, I'm not really in the loop in terms of those types of conversations. Those are a little bit higher than me, but I, I can say, and will reiterate, and I know, you know, fans have been hearing this, this line for a long time, but it is and continues to be the top priority for the organization to get a downtown stadium in Boston. And I think that's kind of the, the key to the whole thing is that uh, they don't want to make that move and make that commitment to a stadium unless they, they absolutely perfect spot and they know that it's going to be downtown and they have public transportation and it's the right spot. Um, and in Boston, that can be pretty, pretty difficult to find uh, the, the <laughs> land and the opportunities, but I know that they have put the crafts and the, the revolution organization have put a ton of money into trying to get that done, try to find the right spot for a stadium. Um, you know, I don't, I don't personally have any updates on it right now, but they could be, they could be close and I wouldn't necessarily know. Um, but it, it does unquestionably remain a top priority of the organization to get a downtown Boston stadium. Uh, Jeff, so you're telling me it's really hard in a big metropolitan area to find land. I, I don't know if that checks out. I don't no. think, I don't think it took DC long at all. Took, I'm not uh, the one having, having those conversations, <laughs> but I'm told it seems it's, it's difficult. And yeah, it seems <laughs> there are some other examples around the league where, uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like it's the, the easiest thing to do. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, when, when I've, when I've watched playoff games, when, when, when the team is good and there's, you know, I understand, you know, in regular season, it can sometimes be difficult, but I've seen this, I've seen the crowd pack on playoff games. So I understand that there is a, there is a huge demand there and there is a huge crowd. There is a huge ability for a crowd to, to be out there. All right. Yeah. Uh, when, and it, 
I was gonna say it's just it is it's a 60, 68,000 seat stadium. So like you mentioned, when it's a playoff game and you get 30, 35, 40,000 mm-hmm. people in the building, yeah, it can get rocking. But I don't think you know everyone in the Revs organization. No one's gonna say it's an ideal situation. You know, we'd much rather be playing downtown on grass in a 20,000, 25,000 seat stadium. I mean, that's, that is the goal and that is still what the organization wants. Um, but we're making the best of, uh, of Gillette stadium at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, this is where we get into the, the prediction part of the game. Uh, I know, I know you're going to be biased, but what do you, what do you actually, before we get to that, if you are Hernan Lasada and you're trying to coach against Bruce Arena's team, what, it, what, where, where do you go after? How do you, how do you break this team down? Where, where are some weaknesses? Well, the, the biggest weakness and everyone in New England will probably point to the same area. And it has been a, a few years now where it seems like the Reds have struggled is on defensive set pieces. Um, and it's an area where DC has hurt the Revs in recent years. Um, for whatever reason, it seems to be the topic of conversation every year. And it continued to be a little bit of a topic of conversation through this preseason. You know, the Revs had a couple preseason games against LAFC where they conceded late goals and the goals came from defensive set pieces. Uh, it has just continued to be an area where the Revs have struggled a little bit. So that's an area where they continue to focus heavily in training, They're trying to figure out why is it that we keep con- conceding on set pieces. So, um, you know, I would, I would certainly expect a DC United team to come into Gillette and try to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, and yeah, look, the Revs last year struggled at Gillette Stadium a little bit. When teams came in and sat a little bit deeper and made it a little bit tougher for the Revs, um, now the Revs struggle with that a little bit. So that's a, that's a big objective for the Revs this year is to, is to figure out when they're at home and a team sits a little bit deeper and tries to make it difficult. How do you break them down? Um, that's been a question for the Revs in recent years. And they're hoping with some of the additions that they've made this off season, that they have some of those pieces to, to break those types of teams down. I'm not sure how Lasada is going to roll out. Uh, the team was not sitting deep. They were conceding possession, but they were trying to, uh, they, they were playing uh, high, a very, very high press. So expect a expect a very different team. I, I, again, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the the game against New York City. Yeah, uh, I saw like the 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 ten minute highlights is what I saw. <laughs> the ten minute so a little bit extended. of extended highlights. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, be, be prepared for Lasada ball and be prepared for him to be rocking some some awesome. He he's gonna put a uh, he's gonna put Bruce to shame on his uh, on his gear game. Trust me. I have seen him shoot to the top of a lot of people's best dress list. <laughs> he 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 uh he wore a jacket like a DC United jacket, and then everybody was messaging the team store saying, "Where can I get that jacket?" I am pretty sure they have now sold out of that jacket. <laughs> so they got something. That's they got power. something going. That's power. It does. It is. Trust me. They were like, we should just. They should just outfit them with whatever like they're not selling yeah. and, and watch it fly off the shelves. All right. Uh, prediction time. Uh, what prediction do you have for this game coming up? Yeah, seven mil. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, as an as a New England Revolution employee, I'm I'm always going to predict the Revs to win every game. So I, I will I will start with that, uh, you know, as my caveat. But uh, I do think this is a, a Revs team that has a lot of attacking weapons. Um, Arnold Thrustison, who's a guy we didn't even talk about, uh, an Icelandic winger who was uh, a relatively significant offseason addition, just joined in in full team training this week. He's looking to make his debut on Saturday. Uh, Carlos Heal is fully healthy. I think this Revolution team is going to score goals and score goals consistently. Uh, and I know DC were really tough to break down uh, against New York City, but I, I think the Revs are going to score some goals. I'm going to go with a, a 3-1 win for uh, for my New England Revolution. 
I wouldn't argue with that. I, I am waiting. I am in the uh, Lasada promised five four at one point. I'm not, I don't know if I'm feeling that confident. That's what I predicted for the first game. I uh, said hey, he likes to win games five four instead of one nothing. So the, the last time these two teams met at Gillette Stadium last year, the Revs won four three. So it's four, not three. it's not all that far fetched. Yeah, uh, I'm going four four. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not as confident for a win, but I'm, I'm confident for goals. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, tell tell the good people if they if they want to read up on the revolution, they want to prepare for Saturday, uh, where where they can read read uh, some of your stuff. Uh, yeah, so revolutionsoccer.net is where all of the content lives, and then uh, Revolution Social Channels are obviously also pushing out a lot of our content, and then my Twitter account, which is uh, pretty rev centric, is at Jeff underscore Lemieux, uh, which is L-E-M-I-E-U-X, just like Mario. Uh, so yeah, head on over to, to revolutionsoccer.net if you're looking for the, the revolution perspective on things. Jeff, man, you got to drop a Pittsburgh Penguins player <laughs> on a DC <laughs> podcast. Do you know what I you're mean, doing right now? Do you, do you, do you, do you realize that? <laughs> I mean, I could, I could pull in like Yager. You're probably, oh, you got to be okay with Yager, right? We're so okay. Like I, I we're, do we're, the Yager-Lemieux thing. So that was my connection. I went from Lemieux to Yager and then we're okay with the Capitals. <laughs> there we go all right jeff thanks so much for joining us guys uh thank you so much for listening to the show hope you enjoyed the interview with brendan hines ike uh and we will catch you guys uh on monday vamos calling the world from isolation because right now